I am ready to listen. You're not just listening. You're going to speak, too. That's kind of the point of this whole thing. I'm going to listen and speak. There we go. All right. Speak and listen. Episode one of Incompetent. (laughs) The second episode we recorded, but the first one of this this format. My name's Harry, and I'm telling a story to Antonio. Antonio's probably heard of this guy, but probably not as in-depth as we're going to go. So I think, you know, I chose this topic because there's been a lot of unrest here lately. And, um, you know, I think there's a portion of baseball that has been really neglected over the history of the game, and it's it's the Negro Leagues. So today we're going to talk about one of the greatest and most interesting Negro League players of all time that you've probably heard of but really have no idea who he is. So, without further ado, let's get into it. Let's uh, let's let's get the ball rolling. You ready? I'm already, you ready? Tron? I already got the chills. You ready? Tron? I already got the chills. All right, man. I bet th- did this guy play for Baltimore? Um, no, but he did play for the team that turned into Bal- the Baltimore Orioles. But we'll get there. Okay. Okay. So, Robert Leroy Page was born officially on July seventh, nineteen oh six. But nobody really knows exactly what year it happened. He, uh, he liked to tell people that his birth certificate was in the Bible that his mom carried around with him, and the goat ate it when he was a kid, so he doesn't know what year he was born. But for the, story, the, the purpose of this story, oh. we're going to go with 1906. Even though it could have... See, I can imagine living not knowing like what actual year you were born. Right, <laughs> right. Like, how, like how, like, like, dude, that would drive me nuts. <laughs> like, dude, I'm dead serious. Like, that's not even like a joke. I will literally lose my fucking mind if I had no idea what year I was born. So, like, it could be, like, I could be 14. <laughs> I could be 19. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> like, well, you look like you're in your 30s. <laughs> I, I could like, be. My 20s. I could be 24. <laughs> Who knows, man. <laughs> Oh, man. <sighs> okay. He was born to John and Lula Page, who uh, also had 11 other children, which I didn't really bother to look into because that would just make this into a really long uh, podcast. Um, apparently, John was kind of a shitbag because at some point, Lula and the kids changed their the spelling of their last name from P-A-G-E to P-A-I-G-E just so that uh, they wouldn't be associated with good old John. John was a gardener, a freelance gardener, so he would go around, you know, planting shit, doing that kind of thing. Didn't really make all that money, all that much money. And uh, Robert had to uh, to help out at a pretty young age. His mom was also a, a servant, which was probably a pretty shitty job at that point as well. Um, so okay. Robert would... Uh, look around for empty soda bottles to turn in to make money. He would make ice deliveries and he would help he would help people at the rail station with their baggage. All to help his mom and dad cover the monthly nut. Or maybe just his mom because I don't really know what point John left and they said, fuck you man we're changing our name. But uh, So he would help out at the local rail station for people with their bags. and uh, It seemed like that was the job that he did most of. 
according to okay. a Reader's Digest correspondent, Robert fixed up a rig so that he could carry more bags than any of the other kids. And his coworkers told him he looked like a walking satchel tree. <laughs> Do you know where we're going hey. here, Tuan? Hey. Uh, yeah. Uh, I, okay. So from that I'm day, or f- from that period of time, he was known as Satchel Page. Satchel Page. You know who Satchel okay. Page is, Tuan? Uh, you know, I wish, I wish I could answer that question, but honestly, I don't know who that is. You don't know who Satchel Page is? All right, well, you're going to learn who Satchel Page is today. Yeah, and I'm excited to learn about him. You know, you know, it always sounds like a swell guy, you know? <laughs> he's, hey. He's swell, he's working. man. Working. You know, he, you know, it's not, you know, it's not easy providing for your family and 11 brothers and sisters. When you're 10 years old. <laughs> when you're 10. Hey, man. Those were the times. I don't even know what I was doing at 10, but it definitely wasn't working at the rail station. Yeah, Yeah, no, dude, I was like, I don't know, playing video games and riding bikes and (laughs) playing baseball. Yeah, pretty much. Yeah. So, you know, Satchel wasn't the greatest of kids. Hold on, I got to find my place here. Yeah, he wasn't the greatest of kids. He spent a lot of time throwing stuff as a kid. He said, uh, they, we played in the dirt because we didn't have toys. We threw rocks because there was nothing else to throw. And at age okay. 10, but at age 10, Satchel started playing real baseball in organized, in organized non-pickup baseball. He was regularly okay. absent from school, so he would have fit right in in New Smyrna Beach, Florida, for sure. Oh, 100%. 100%. Wait, he was 10? Yeah, when he started playing baseball, he was 10 years old. Okay. So, like, when he first played for the first time, like, real baseball. Real baseball. He was... Okay. Hold on one sec. Okay, we're still recording. I'm just making sure. Uh, Let's see. He was regularly absent from school. By the way, dude, if I had been a kid in the early 1900s, like, as long as I made it, like, to an age where I wasn't going to die, how cool would that have been, man? Because, like, you could just skip school and do whatever the fuck you wanted all day long, and it was awesome. Like, yeah. being a kid in the 1900s would have been so sick, dude. Yeah, except, like, you know, the part where, you know, there you work. Well, like, yeah. Yeah, I like mean, you- <laughs> there's that. But, like, you know, the whole skipping oh, school all the time thing and oh, running around. Son, you're turning 10 tomorrow, and you know, I'm going to need to go in the factory and support for this family because I'm 19, and I might not live to see it another day, okay? <laughs> Here, crawl into this crevice. Grab that shit. Come on, little fucker. Get out of here. <laughs> so, Satchel, at the beginning of his baseball career, showed promise as a pitcher, but was also a really good hitter. But it was pitching that would become his forte. So you know how they say sports are one of the best ways to keep kids out of trouble? Not yeah. not very true in this case. Because at age 12, Satchel went to reform school for shoplifting from a local store. I think it was some toy rings or something. And, uh, and of course, he was, he was skipping school, which was illegal back then. And to be honest, he was black in Mobile, Alabama in 1918. Mm. And... That's, Let's be honest. If if they were if you were if you were doing anything, you're probably gonna go to jail for it. And that's uh, that's kind of why we're doing this, because Satch yeah. kind of got a, uh, a bad a, rap, I think, an unfair shake. Yeah, 
that's uh yeah i mean that's a hard truth i mean shit i mean if you were if you were black in alabama there shit if you're black in the south even now in general you're screwed yeah even 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 now but I mean, it's the craziest thing like you know it's like it's like like I saw it on Facebook today, right? You know, I was going scrolling through Facebook, and like I've been seeing, I, I saw this post. It's like something like one of the things that people share constantly, right? And it was a thing that said, like, you know, to anyone listening. I mean, no offense, but you know, fuck you. You know, if you don't get why people are pissed off, then I mean, like, <laughs> like I don't, I, I, I don't, I can't explain to something that is just so easy to right. like see. Yeah. So this post is like just constant, you know, it's someone saying it's like all lives matter, blah, 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 like just going down a list like, oh, Biden's going to lose this and that. God is great. Blah, blah, blah. Going on, going on, going on. Like, I'm reading this. I'm like, what the fuck? It's like, what does that have to do with anything? Like, it's like, it's like. You don't understand what it's like to be a black person and like nope. constantly be harassed. Nope. Like you just don't know. Like no. you don't know how it feels. Absolutely, dude. I mean, like, so there is there is also a question in my mind that's like, should we even be doing this? But like, yes, I think one hundred percent because this is like, this is a guy that should be like, that should be an African American hero, and um, you know the whole the fact that there even was a need for Negro Leagues is kind of disgusting. Um, oh, yeah. So, I mean, there's a there's a lot of stuff in there that just kind of gets glossed over, and I think there needs to be a little bit more digging done there. So, but anyway, also, I mean, let's talk for a sec about reform school. Like, there are some great baseball players that spend some time in reform school as children. I, namely, Babe Ruth uh, went to yeah. a, a Baltimore City reform school and he um you know he turned out to be a decent ball player no no comment on what kind of human being but uh it was definitely a, a decent ball player you know definitely you know back in those days he was good old babe ruth yeah couldn't could pitch for shit but you know, because he can't see i don't know what you're talking about <laughs> <laughs> But it's a, it's a story. I don't know if it's true, honestly. But I heard a story. It's like, it's like one of my family gatherings, or whatever. And someone's telling me that because Babe Ruth smoked so many cigars that like he was, like towards the end of his like baseball career, he was practically blind. Like he couldn't. That's why, <laughs> that's why he struck out so much. But you know he swung so hard and like you know hit the ball for a mile, but he struck out just as much because. <laughs> He was practically blind. I don't know if that's true or not. I don't either, it's man. Worth it. <laughs> but we're definitely leaving that in because that's an amazing story. <laughs> I, I think it's true. I, mean, I hope it is. But I think it's funny that, it's like that he just smoked so much cigars that yeah. basically like ruined his eyesight. He definitely, eyesight. he definitely liked his nicotine. So, oh, who did it back in the day? Uh, nobody. So anyway, 
1918, Satchel began serving a five-year sentence at the Alabama Reform School for Juvenile Negro Lawbreakers. What an unbelievable Ugh. name for a school. Unbelievable name for a school. It was there that he met Ed Bird. And Ed would be the oh man who shaped Satchel into the pitcher we knew and loved later on. Not today, because this happened a long time ago, but you know what I mean. Yeah. So he, he took the, the raw talent that Satchel had and turned it into a little bit more fundamentally sound as well as teaching him the finer mental points of pitching, the little nuances. And we'll get into to what Satchel did later, but he would definitely talk about hit, figuring out hitters' weaknesses and outsmarting them rather than just overpowering them. And you'll figure out why he needed to outsmart rather than overpower by the end of this. So when he, yeah. when he wasn't working with Coach Bird or playing for the Reform School's team, he was in the choir, the drum corps, and worked on the school's farm. Reform school proved to be a turning point in Satchel's life. When he was, he was quoted as saying, I traded five years of freedom to learn how to pitch. And pitch he did. Satchel was kind of a wiry teenager. He was over six feet tall and only 140 pounds. And as someone who graduated... Over six feet tall? Yeah. Dude, yeah. that's like... At like back six, in that day? At like 16 years old. Like a, he, was, he, he was a fucking giant. Yeah. And look, as someone who graduated high school at 6'3 and 165 pounds, I can tell you that's the perfect build for anything that you need to do to create leverage. Like, I mean, oh, yeah, if you want to throw fast or, in my case, swing a golf club fast or whatever, tall and lanky is the way to go, man. Perfect, perfect body type. So, Satchel's in good position at this point. At He's some point, I, you know, I, I'm liking this already. Absolutely. At some point, as a young pitcher, Satchel's fastball was clocked at 103 miles an hour. Holy fuck! That is fast, man. That is That's super a, fast. He got he got he got some heat on that. Yeah, he does. So under under Coach Bird, Satchel developed a distinct delivery. He would also he was one of those guys that did all the arm circles and stuff, and then he would kick his leg way up in the air, do all that stuff uh, that they used to do in the yeah. old days. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Hey, man. Hey, where would get the speed? You know what I mean? You do you, Satch. So in his early days, it's said that Satchel only threw fastballs and relied mostly on watching the batter's movements and positioning to figure out where to throw it, which is kind of cool because most kids are just in a hurry to throw curveballs and stuff because it, it looks cool and you make guys look sick. I knew I wanted to throw, throw a curveball at like eight years old. But Satchel just wanted to get hitters out, and he was really good at it. Right at the end, right just upon the end of his sentence at Reform School, he jumped straight into the Negro Leagues. Obviously, for those of you who don't know, which you probably do, uh, the Negro Leagues were the pre-Jackie Robinson era baseball leagues where it was segregated and the black players weren't allowed to play in the majors, so they created their own leagues. And it's a shame, but uh, you know what we're trying to do here is, is recognize it a little bit. Um, 100%. I mean, can't, uh, can't rewrite history. Well, you can, but it's, uh, I mean, when you look at, uh, you know, how things have changed, right? You know, baseball back in the days of baseball now, you know, baseball has always been known as the American, you know, American sport. Yep. You know, number one. And uh, uh, this sure is American. 
Yeah. <laughs> this this couldn't uh, get more uh, American. Good, 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 good old America. <laughs> hey, land of the free, but if your color skin is not white, that sucks. Yep, you're not all that free. <laughs> nope. It's like, oh, God, fucking shitty people, man. So the thing that kind of sucks about Satchel spending so much time in the Negro Leagues is that, like, the stats aren't there. They're all over the place, right? So yeah. a lot of a lot of the stories are just anecdotal and there aren't really too many real records kept. Like baseballreference.com is the greatest stat website ever and there's just not that much on him, you know? Like if you look at if you look at baseballreference.com, his record is listed at 103 and 61 with 1231 strikeouts. And I mean, you look at that, hmm. and yeah, that guy's a good pitcher, right? But yeah, you just wait. All right. What stats we do have from the Negro Leagues are hard to decipher, and I'm not much of a stat head anyway. It's just it's tough, man. It's tough to figure out. Yeah. But Satchel Page is somebody that I, I've heard of since I was a little kid. He is always spoken of as one of the greatest pitchers of all time. Um. And, you know, it's it's a shame that we don't get to to know exactly how good he was. So, 100%. one of the reasons that Satchel's stats are all over the place are because he literally played for every baseball team ever. I'm talking like, you know, as we go through this, you'll see there's a pattern of where if he doesn't feel like he's <laughs> getting paid enough or he's got enough opportunity... Yeah. He just he says, fuck it, I'm moving on. He gets a group of dudes together, and they just go play a bunch of exhibition games around the country. Like, that was his thing, man, is he would pull together, like, the ten best Negro League players, and they would go, and they would just play against whoever wanted it. Whoever wanted the game in front of whoever wanted to pay for it. So he, I yeah. mean, Satchel, he played yeah. internationally in the winter, he said himself he played over for over 250 teams in his career, right? And this is a man who kept his people guessing as to when his birthday was, so we don't know if that number is actually true, but it could even be higher than that, you know? He did, he did talk a lot. He, he says that he kept his own stats. He claimed that he pitched in over 2,500 games and that he won over 2,000 of them. Right, which is Holy a staggering shit. number. That's like, oh my god, that's Two, like the, like one of the greatest records ever. Two thousand wins is absurd, if that's correct. Because uh, do you know who the record holder for wins in Major League Baseball is? Uh, there's an oh. there's an award named after him. Cy Young. Cy Young. Do you know how many he has? Yeah. How many wins? Yeah. Oh, shit, I don't know. 511. That's, like, the most ever, and it's by a lot. Okay? So if Satchel is anywhere close to his 2,000 win mark, it's absurd. Oh, my God. What the fuck? Yeah. So (laughs) I'll run through a, a couple of the teams that Satchel played for, most notably, but there's no way that I'd be able to get... First off, there's no way I'd be able to figure out exactly who and how many teams he played for, but there's no way I'd be able to list them all. So he spent time with the Birmingham Black Barons, 
the Chattanooga, Chattanooga Black Lookouts, the Baltimore Black Sox, shout out Baltimore, the Chicago American Giants, the Pittsburgh Crawfords, the Bismarck Churchills, the Cuban House of David, the Kansas City Monarchs, the Cleveland Indians, the St. Louis Browns, and the Kansas City Athletics. Also, he had a team that cropped cropped up pretty regularly, especially in the offseason, called the Satchel Page All-Stars. Okay. All right. Right? There I'm, I'm some... liking the Satchel, man. That, this guy is... Satchel's the man, dude. Uh, he is... <laughs> this... <laughs> Satchel, Satchel is the man. There, there were a lot of, uh, there were a lot of those, like, one-off, almost like a Floyd Mayweather, Conor McGregor kind of thing. He did, he... yeah. He pitched a couple of games. I know later on in his uh, in his career, there was like they did they called it a barnstorming tour, right? Where it would be the Satchel Page All Stars against the Bob Feller All Stars, and Bob Feller is one of the greatest major league pitchers of all time. So Satchel did get to pitch against like major league players quite often. He just yeah. didn't get the opportunity as often in the majors. But they did they did a tour of the Satchel Page All Stars versus the Bob Feller All Stars and they just toured the country and played a bunch of games against each other. Just to sell tickets kind of deal. So his first long okay. stint was with the Pittsburgh Crawfords from nineteen thirty to nineteen thirty four, where he pe- played with the likes of Josh Gibson, who is the man, like he is the Babe Ruth of the Negro Leagues. He also p- played with Cool Papa Bell, who <laughs> I don't really know who that dude, is, what, dude, but that's what, the coolest name ever, name. dude. Cool Papa Bell. Cool Papa dude, Bell oh is the man. Cool, cool Papa Bell. Dude, oh my God, bro. That is, that's a hell of a name. Dude, it sounds, Cool Papa Bell sounds like a Taco Bell dish. Oh, yeah. No, dude, that, <laughs> I'll take I'll take two cool Papa Bells, please, and a large Pepsi. I say Pepsi because obviously Taco Bell doesn't have a uh, Coke. Uh, mm, shame. So he played with cool Papa Bell, John Henry Russell, Leroy Matlock, Jake Stevens, Boojum Wilson, Jimmy Crutchfield, Ted Page, Judy Johnson, and Rack, Rap Dixon. This is all on the Pittsburgh Crawfords, and so Rap Gibson, Rap Dixon, man. <laughs> Rap Dixon sounds like the man too. I didn't look any of these guys up, but but wow. he sounds like the man. Dude, that, that, dude, that sounds dude. That sounds like a squad. That's that's like so. Shit, you got to play against these guys. So the team, this team was known as the Black Yankees, right? And this is this okay. is in the time where like Babe Ruth and the Yankees are just winning the World Series every single year. So this is pretty much yeah. this is pretty much the murderer's row of of the Negro Leagues. Um, okay. So during this time, Satchel was throwing a lot of no hitters, winning a lot of games, and somehow he got snubbed from the first Negro League All Star game, which kind of sucks. But he'll make up yeah. for it later. So not only was Satchel known for throwing a million miles an hour, but he was also known for talking a lot of shit <laughs> there oh, was dude oh he just became like my favorite guy right away that's one, awesome one time during a game it, huh i'm saying if you got the game oh my oh you better light dude. him up dude especially if you're a pitcher you better light him up <laughs> light Hell him up yeah. dude one time during a game dude, he was 
He was playing with the Down the Bay Boys. Page was struggling in the ninth inning. He had pitched really well most of the day, and the boys were up one nothing in the ninth. But uh, he was struggling in the ninth. He was in a jam, and the fans began to boo him, right? So Satch, Satch said after the game, I heard him booing, and somebody was going to have to pay for that. So he called all of the outfielders in and had them sit in the infield and struck everyone out on his way to a one nothing victory. And even, even in the area of segregation, I told you he... He found a way to play against uh, some of the all-time greats. Yeah. So he pitched against Dizzy Dean, who I don't know if you know who Dizzy Dean is, but Dizzy Dean's probably going to get his own one of these at some point because he is the man. I think he pitched for the Cardinals, so you might want to ask Derek about Dizzy Dean next time you see him. Dino, Dino might know. I'm sure he would. Um. Dizzy Dean called Satchel the pitcher with the greatest stuff that I ever saw. Joe DiMaggio played one game against Satchel as a minor leaguer, and he drove in the game-winning run on his first hit in the ninth inning, went one for four, and it was that point I read that, uh, that scouts said, yep, we need to call Joe DiMaggio up to the Yankees. If he, can hit, if he can get a hit off Satchel Page, he's good enough to play for us. So, I mean... Holy. The dude was good, right? I mean, even DiMaggio said Satchel was the best that he ever faced and the fastest so, for sure. So that you know, that's the crazy, you know, that's this crazy thing. You know, even back in the you know segregation and all that, dude. That's just so crazy to me. Is that like a guy like Joe DiMaggio, who is you know is a Yankee legend, right? Like people still recognize. Uh, it still seems like people are still recognizing Satchel Page as like a hell of a player. Yeah, he said he was the best pitcher he ever faced, man. That's Joe DiMaggio. Yeah. The guy that hit in 56 yeah. straight games. Yeah. So, so unfortunately, most, most of these matchups took place in exhibition games designed just to sell tickets, but still, it was getting exposure for Satchel. Oh, uh, let's okay. see. Most of his career, actually, he spent just chasing the biggest payday. One article from the Jackson Advocate in 1941 referred to this as moral indecency and respect of a baseball contract is no more than a piece of paper, which I don't understand how that's moral indecency. If, if you're playing for a team and you're getting paid $100 a month and somebody says, hey, man, I'll give you $200 a month, and you say, I'm going to go play for that guy, I would do it too, man. I would do it too. <laughs> I mean, in in my in in my job right now, I'm getting paid forty thousand dollars a year. If a company came to me tomorrow and said, "Hey, man, we'll pay you eighty, I'd say, "Yeah, I'm in. See you later, guys. Thanks for the opportunity. I'm out. These guys are doubling my salary." <sighs> so, oh, the fact that uh, the fact that it. All the time he spent jumping from team to team and playing all over the country and even internationally probably did limit Satchel's popularity. But uh, he found a way to win over the hearts of many later on. The same Jackson Advocate article stated that the average Negro boy knows ten times as much about Bob Feller as he does Satchel Page. All of that said, Satchel's talent was able to overcome adversity and make him a household name in baseball history. And he did. He did get paid. Jorge Pasquale, a particularly wealthy... Jorge Pasquale. He's the man, dude. A particularly wealthy owner of a Mexican league team. 
and a guy who will probably get his own episode at some point as well, because I looked him up a little bit, and it sounds like this dude created, like, a wealth of opportunity for black players in Mexico. He began to recruit all of the best Negro League talent to the Mexican League. And if he eventually, his idea was he wanted to make the Mexican League really strong and then go say, like, hey, Joey, Joey DiMaggio, why don't you uh, come on down to the Mexican League and we'll just make Major League Baseball obsolete, man. We're going to make the Mexican League the next big thing. Dude, holy shit. Which, I, that which I think was a pretty solid plan. I don't, I don't exactly know why it didn't work. Except for, like, I can only guess white American rich people. That would be my guess. Oh, uh, oh, oh 100%. <laughs> 100%. Because, so, I mean, that's I mean that's how uh, back in the, well, I mean, it's still the same now. But, you know, those fans that went to all the, like, Major League Baseball games, that was the player's salary. Yeah. So, Absolutely. Actually, I know, I'm sure we'll do an episode... Ted Williams. Yep. Yeah. So I heard my dad told me. I think that. we might do an episode but, just on that whole weird thing where his body was frozen after he died. Dude, what a fucking kooky family, man. <laughs> it's Jesus really Christ. weird, man. He's frozen somewhere, just being waited. <laughs> he's like, he's like Han frozen. Solo, dude. <laughs> I heard, I heard when Ted Williams was playing. And he was having a bad day, and like the fans were booing him. I guess he just, you know, just eh, fuck you, <laughs> right? Just... <laughs> fuck you guys, man. Fuck it you. Be, it would have been so much more fun to be alive back back then. As long as you made it again, as long as you made it like past a certain age, like yeah, then the you're set. You could literally do anything you wanted, man. Yeah, talk all the shit you want. So anyway, in 1938, Jorge Pasquale called up our boy Satch and said, Hey, Satchel, I'll give you two Gs a month to come play in Mexico. I don't think that's actually what Holy he said, shit. but that's what I wrote. So oh I, <laughs> I did the math, and $2,000 at that time was worth about $37,000 today. So Satchel was making close to four hundred eighty grand a year in our, in our currency right now to do that. Which is pretty solid living. Holy fuck. Right? Oh, uh, yeah, I, I would say. Yeah. Jesus Christ. So, Satchel was the first Negro League player to jump ship and head to Mexico. Only okay. thing is, his contract had just been sold to the Newark Eagles for $5,000. But you know what? I can't blame him. I wouldn't want to go to Newark. I was driving through Newark not that long ago, and it's... New, new Pretty work. dumpy, man. No offense to our Jersey people, but nah. Your 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 state is not that nice. Nah, it's not great. Some parts are, but yeah. But the turnpike is like, enough to make it uh, horrible. Oh, uh, dude, turnpike is horrible. Not yeah. only driving on the turnpike and looking up and like, oh, those aren't clouds. That's uh, that's smog. smoke. Yeah, it's nice. Anyway, so obviously the uh, the owner of the Newark Eagles. Was uh was pretty pissed about this, you know, because he's out five thousand dollars and Satchel Page, so uh, he just started mm. to basically shit talk Satchel to everybody and said uh, Satchel was banned from from Negro League American baseball. But oh, uh, no, no. But, but Satchel didn't care. But, but hey, man, he's he, 
He's making that money. He's getting paid, dude, and he's living in Mexico. He's getting, he's get, and getting paid. And seriously, I mean, I I looked up some stuff about this period of Mexican baseball, and it it sounds like it was just awesome for the Negro League players. I mean, they could go and they could make real money, and they could be treated like human beings, meaning they could go to the bathroom yeah. wherever they wanted, or they could use whatever water fountain they wanted to use, and was this in uh was this in Mexico? This was in Mexico. Amazing! I, I can't okay. believe that Mexico would allow something like that. You know, it's just, uh, man. But it it was looking like Satchel may have finally found a home in Mexico. But of course, he hadn't. Not that long after the season started, his arm started to fall apart. Fastball lost all its mm. zip, and it's said that he even like struggled to lift his arm let alone pitch but you know it was 1930 it was 1938 and it was baseball so he pitched the full season and he pitched well oh my holy fuck <laughs> yeah dude what a g yeah. oh my god he's the man so his dude, i can't imagine dude that pain brutal god awful brutal like but whenever, it was just whatever man like i'll pitch through I'm playing, dude i get fucking tinnitus real bad right <laughs> Yeah. If I'm playing a lot of, dude, if I'm playing a lot of golf and like that, like my ten, my tenant ice gets like inflamed real bad, dude, I can barely fucking bend my elbow without hurting. Right. Throwing this... an entire season. Right, and it's not like 1938. It... They weren't throwing a lot of yeah. innings, you know. Yeah. Like he was, he was, he was pitching, pitching. So his Fuck. last, his last game in the Mexican league was an epic duel with a guy named Martin DeHigo, who was a Cuban pitcher who spent some time bouncing around the Negro Leagues and ended up in the Baseball Hall of Fame. So Page, with a limp arm, went to work throwing everything but fastballs in this game, just junk balling it all over the place. He was changing his arm angles. Even at one point, he threw underhand, and he relied on his control to get batters out. Finally, in the ninth inning, he was pinch hit for, and the game went into extra innings where... Uh, the other guy, DeHigo, not only the pitcher, but he hit a two-run home run to secure the win, and Satchel's time in Mexico was over. He was done. But, uh, oh, no. but as I said, you know, it really did. The, the Mexican League was home to a lot of Negro League players for the next eight years, and um, Satchel okay. was kind of the trailblazer for that. And you'll find he was kind of the trailblazer for a lot of things in the Negro Leagues. So... Satchel returned to the United States, and not many people were that into him, you know, seeing as he skipped out on that $5,000 transfer, and nobody really wanted to be stuck holding the bag for somebody that wasn't going to show up. But there was one guy named J.L. Wilkinson, the owner of the Kansas City Monarchs, came up with the idea of the Satchel Page All-Stars which was a group of great Negro League players who would tour the country and play exhibitions against other teams just as a way of making money. And it allowed Satchel to get his arm in shape and still pitch and still get paid. So we'll get to it later, but this guy, J.L. Wilkinson, and this other guy who was the owner of the Pittsburgh Crawfords, they had like a battle over who was going to have Satchel Page for a really long time. Um, okay. It was There was at some point like... Uh, the guy who owned That's the like a blood feud. 
the guy the guy who owned the Crawfords like had to give this guy Wilkinson they he had to sanction like a whole nother league in the Negro leagues so that like this guy Wilkinson would lay off signing Satchel because he was just gonna throw him so much money that he was like oh I'm definitely he's definitely gonna go you know but I'll give you this yeah. whole other league if you stay if you just let me have him so Satchel oh was kind of the man dude. <sighs> All right. Holy shit. Wow. So I think I think baseball would be a lot cooler if dudes were still just like getting together and touring the country and playing exhibition dude, games. Imagine, I, dude, I was just thinking <laughs> like, the same thing. That would be imagine, so cool. Imagine like you know, imagine like ten years ago, like you know, you, you got like Derek Jeter, David Ortiz, right? Uh, and you just had All Star teams. You can go see Max Scherzer and Justin Verlander pitch against each other every night. Like, yeah. dude, it would be awesome. Dude, it would be crazy. It would be awesome. You know how I many people watch that? Everyone would watch that. Yeah, for sure. It would be like everybody watched the Tiger Woods Phil Mickelson thing. Everybody yeah. would watch this, man. It's like, it's like if you if you gave if you put two pickup NBA basketball teams together. Like, you can't tell me that everybody that's interested in basketball wouldn't watch that, man. Because we all know that pickup basketball is the purest form of basketball, and to watch the best guys in the world do it would be so cool. Oh, 100%. So, hey. Oh, that would be so sick. Rob Manfred, if you listen to this, man, consider setting up some exhibition games. (laughs) Like, just consider it, okay? That's all I'm asking. For the fans. So, after a few trips around the country with the All-Stars, his arm was feeling better, and Wilkinson called him, Wilkinson called him up to pitch full-time for the Kansas City Monarchs. Satch immediately led the Monarchs to a Negro League World Series title in 1942, and he won three of the four games that KC had to win in the World Series. According to BaseballReference.com, which, again, is a little spotty, but I think large in part pretty accurate in this case. Satchel played eight seasons with the Monarchs, of course bouncing around to some other teams in there, but he played eight total seasons with the Monarchs. Okay. So this is kind that of was a, Kansas, That was Kansas City? That was Kansas City. So his, his big okay. stints were with Pittsburgh and Kansas City. And then there was this weird thing that I just kind of stumbled upon, probably should have looked a little harder at, but in 1943, he divorced, divorced his first wife, Janet Howard. Um, I guess he was playing in Puerto Rico one winter, and he married some lady while he was still married to Janet. And yeah, that's, that's normal. And, like, they just didn't do anything about it for three years. I'm guessing Satchel and Janet weren't together for those three years. I don't know if he was with that lady from Puerto Rico for three years or what was going on, but uh, he didn't end up with either of them. He eventually did remarry, and he had, I think, seven kids with uh, this lady named Lahoma Brown. And I almost wrote in a joke where I called her, uh, where I said her first name was Oak, so it would be Oak Lahoma Brown, but... uh, you know, I uh, I don't know if uh, I don't know uh, if we're far uh, along. I don't know if we're far enough along for, to get away with that one. So, uh, yeah, probably not. <laughs> <laughs> so, well, where would that be? So, just kind of like, you know, just you're showing up home. Oh, hey, honey, how's it going? Hey, yeah, how was your business trip for the past couple years? No, nah, I, I married a lady. Uh, uh, <laughs> She's Puerto I'm Rican. She's smoking hot too. 
And she's got an accent. She doesn't even speak English. It's awesome. It's perfect. By the way, we're getting divorced. (laughs) Because obviously that marriage wasn't legal. So, um, yeah, see ya. ya. I'm out. (laughs) There's Robert Ops. See ya. (laughs) So things seemed to settle down for Satchel over the next couple of years. He continued to pitch mostly for the Monarchs, as I said, and continued to to tour the country with the All-Star team. And he basically just continued to dominate the Negro Leagues as he had since the beginning in 1923. However, the end of the need for Negro League baseball was fast approaching, and in April of 1947, Jackie Robinson broke the color barrier in Major League Baseball for the first time since Fleet Walker in 1889. And the only reason I know about Fleet Walker is the dollop. There's a great dollop about Fleet Walker. So, according to Satchel's autobiography, according to Satchel's autobiography, he wasn't too happy about uh, about not being the first Negro League player to break the color barrier. Yeah, I can, I can see that. I can see that. And neither I, neither were a lot of the, the Negro League players. Um, you know, it, it turns out Jackie Robinson wasn't I mean obviously he's a great player but like yeah. when it comes to like this guy Cool Papa Bell or Josh Gibson or Satchel Page he wasn't quite up to to that level. Now, I will say this at this time Satchel's like 41 years old, right? I mean it's not uh, maybe it's 19 25. It's 1947. <laughs> He was born in 1906, so he's he's 41 years old when this happened. So I kind of understand why it's like, hey, maybe we shouldn't give it to to Satch yet because he's he's pretty old. Yeah, he's up there. You know, yeah, he's up there. He's he's getting old. You know, um, but anyway, so it was Jackie Robinson, and you know there were a couple of good things that um that came out of it like Jackie Robinson had to start in the minor leagues and I don't think Satchel would have been super happy about starting in the minor leagues I mean if you're a guy that Joe DiMaggio is calling the best pitcher he ever faced and you had to go and pitch against a bunch of single a dudes I could see where you'd be where you'd be offended by that see I can't it's like it's like hey hey it's like come on Dickheads, I got the talent. Throw me in. Right. Throw I mean, me. we all know, like, this is this is just dumb. Let me out of here. Yeah. Like, let me just get up with the boys already. But he said in his autobiography, he said, I'd been the guy who started all that big talk about letting us in the big time. I'd been the one who opened up the major league ballparks to colored teams. I'd been the one who the white boys wanted to barnstorm against. It still it still was me that ought to have been first, he said in his autobiography. And the man has a point. He was a trailblazer. He was the one that broke into Mexico. He was the most famous of the Negro League players. He was the best of the best. And he had broken color barriers and pitched against so many major leaguers and had all of their respect. As great as Jackie Robinson was, he wasn't even the best Negro League hitter. That was Josh Gibson, who is widely considered, as I said, the Babe Ruth of the Negro Leagues. Okay. So, Holy shit! Yeah, man. See, see, and that's that, that's something we're, I we're never told. I, I get, I get, I get that one hundred percent. Yeah, you know? yeah, because you know you spent, you know, you just spent like you know, ten, twenty years. Okay, you know, really working on, you know, you're just trying, 
you know, you're trying to make the best out of a bad situation in a way. Right. You know, I mean, that to, to for him to be able to do what he did with all the, you know, with, what, with how times were back then, that is fucking impressive. Right. Like, like yeah, dude. you have to be you, you have to be crazy fucking good to get those like to get the white guys who play in major league baseball who want to hit against you. Absolutely, man. Absolutely. And it's just it's it's funny, you know, we're brought up thinking that Jackie Robinson is like this hero, right? Who's like the greatest black baseball player of all time. Yeah. And then you come to find out that it's like, okay, like yeah, he's really good and he he like he handled himself very well, and he took a lot of shit from people that he didn't need to take. But, like, there are other dudes that blazed this trail before him that still aren't getting the credit that they deserve. Yeah, not getting the recognition that they need. So, Holy shit. I mean, every every article that I read about him, like, would say, you know, the it would mention the crowd size would be like 50,000 people. And then it would say like, and they were all there to see satchel pitch. Like it didn't matter who he was playing against, who was on his team. Everybody in the stands was there to see satchel page throw the baseball. And like the fact that you didn't know who he was, like it drives me nuts, man. And it's not a knock on you. It's like, how do, how does, how does a guy that's this good? I mean, you know who, like Cy Young is, you know who Walter Johnson is. Why don't we know who Satchel Page is? You know. I'm sorry. No, it's all right. It's not your fault, dude. <laughs> it's not your fault, man. Well, but, in, in my defense, when I was in school, man, I, I I was always told Jackie Robinson. Yeah, I was too. I think like the the reason that I know who Satchel Page is is a because my dad is a baseball nut loves the history of baseball B because I've been to the Hall of Fame and Satchel is in the Hall of Fame and C because he was like on the all-time team in MLB 14 the show or something like that so I was like oh yeah I want Satchel Page on my team because first off he's got an awesome name and he throws 103 miles an hour and he's the man (laughs) so he played he played in front of a sold out crowd at Comiskey Park, which was a major league white owned ballpark. He was the one that began to integrate the major league stadiums, and so many white ball players respected him and knew how good he was. There shouldn't have been a Negro a need for the Negro Leagues, but since there was, Satchel Page, in my opinion, should have been the one that broke the color barrier, and it should have been way before nineteen forty seven. Oh, one hundred percent. So Yeah, that's uh Go ahead. So, let's see. How long, how long has baseball been around? Baseball started in... In the 1800s. I mean, that guy Fleet Walker was the last black guy to play before Jackie Robinson, and he played in 1889. Yeah, 1889. So, we're talking... So, give him 10 years before it, that. Let's it, say on the early end, it's, it's 1870. Just, it just... It blows my mind that there's people... Shit, there's people still out there today who just don't like how how do you judge someone based on their skin color? Right. I don't get that. I don't either, man. It doesn't that's make what, sense. That to blows me. my mind. I mean, I, I just people judge people all the time, but I don't ever like oh, oh shit, this guy's fucking. Uh, he's uh, right. Like he's he's a little too white. There are 
there are judgments and then there are judgments, you know, like, I mean, it's, it's hard not to make assumptions about people because that's kind of like how humans are programmed. But like, the assumptions that I make about people don't, like, first off, they aren't, they aren't like the be all and the end all. Like, if I, like, if I think someone is, I don't know, if, Say, like, a guy, uh, I don't know. There's no way to make a good analogy here. But, like, my opinion can be changed pretty quickly. And it's never like, oh, this guy's a bad person because of, like, the shirt that he's wearing or whatever. And I I don't understand how it's like, man, you guys are a different skin tone than us, so you have a whole separate baseball league. That doesn't make sense to me. No. I just, I just, I, I don't think I'll ever understand it. I'll, under, I'll never, never understand why at some point in American history, I mean, people, like, you know, a, a colored person couldn't use the same bathroom as a white person. Right. Like, I just don't, I just don't get that. No, like, I, I, like, it makes like, no if I sense. Could travel, if I could travel back in time, I'll beat the shit. Uh, some racist white people. Absolutely. I'll get like, Bri- I'll get like Bryce and Dan big, learn how to fight. <laughs> bro, I'll just go, I'll just be like this big, like, white just guy. Go white ham. Guy, <laughs> and just, just hang out haymakers to like some old racist bitches, man. Just <laughs> bam. I was like, fuck you. Bam. <laughs> haymakers. I love it, dude. <laughs> so, at this point, we're going to take a little break from the chronology. And um, I'm just going to read a couple of stories that I that I found about Satchel. And again, I don't know, like it's anecdotal. I don't know how how much truth there is, how much non-truth there is. But they're, yeah. they're pretty good, and I think they're worth telling. So we'll start July 4th, 1934. Okay, before you get started, yeah. I'm going to get water real quick. Okay, dude. We'll, we'll, just, ba- we'll edit this part out. I know. Don't worry, I'm still talking to you. <laughs> so honestly, you could probably keep going. It's all right, man. We we've already we've already ruined it. Yeah, Harry Harry got up and walked away. Uh, so yeah, so I got my house to myself for the third night in a row. Nice, dude. Well, not for a good reason though. Why? Uh, so my aunt got has a. Uh, urinary tract infection. Oh, nice. And like her, yeah, I know, real pleasant stuff. And her, uh, so I get this, I guess one of the side effects is that she gets like real, like she's basically like kind of like having like, like side effects like dementia. Something. It's like really. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I do. I know that that happens actually. Yeah. And like, so she's like, like she knew, like, who we were she just didn't know what year it was who our president was what day it was what time it was you know that's no idea probably a pretty nice way to live right now i'm saying Hmm. okay all right all right so i'm refreshed so now before we before we continue on, I'm just going to read a couple of anecdotal things that I heard about Satchel. I don't know how true they are, but they're, they're pretty good, and I think they're worth noting. So, July 4th, 1934, Satchel throws a no-hitter against the Homestead Grays. 
He walked one batter and there's an error, but other than that, it was a perfect game for Satchel. At some point, one of the uh, one of the Grays was freaked out by how much Satchel's fastball was rising, because I don't know if you ever like hit against a guy that threw so hard that his fastball looked like it was moving up, but that's definitely a thing. Uh, yeah. Yeah. Actually, I had, when I when I played little league, yeah. there was this tall. This kid like was like six two. And he was fifteen, and like he threw, like I mean. That for that age, I mean, God, I think it was like throwing like eighty-eight miles per hour. But yeah. like, no one had seen that before, like in little leagues. So Dude, like, I know, I know exactly oh. what you're talking about, man. But yeah, so like he was freaked out by how much the ball was rising, which is just something that happens when guys throw really hard. But this guy asked to have the ball taken out of play and checked. I guess he thought Satchel was throwing like spitballs. I don't know. But uh, the umpire took. Oh, I heard. Yeah, yeah, I heard. Okay, yeah. But I heard uh, something like that before. The umpire took the ball from Satchel, and Satchel, Satchel yelled at him from the mound. He said, "You may as well throw them all out because they're all gonna jump like that." <laughs> and then uh, he. He played. He played in North Dakota for a month, and um, I guess there were some Sioux Native Americans up there, and uh, you know they would come out and watch him pitch, and um, he ended up he left he left North Dakota with the nickname among the Sioux Long Rifle. <laughs> so I'm guessing that dude was just bringing it, man. Uh, in nineteen in nineteen thirty four, he went thirty one and four for a few different teams. Most notably, uh, he went thirteen and three for the Pittsburgh Crawfords. But that means he was eighteen and one for all of the other teams that he, that he played for, and that's like, again, that's not counting the probably hundred exhibition games he he was throwing as well. So. 31 and 4. How many teams did he play for? In this year or ever? Like ever. He said he pitched for over 250 teams. Holy In 2,500 games. Oh my god. So, this is the part I was talking about before. Gus Greenley, who was the owner of the Pittsburgh Crawfords, and J.L. Wilkinson, the owner of the Kansas City Monarchs, they competed to sign Satchel for essentially the whole time he was playing in the uh, in the Negro Leagues. Um, Greenlee kind of gave up because I'm pretty sure it was Greenlee who was the guy that uh, traded for him, and then Satchel said, see you, dude, I'm going to Mexico. Either It was either Greenlee that traded for him or Greenlee that traded him, but either way, he was involved in that, and I'm pretty sure at that point he was like, yeah, I'm out on Satchel. But... Um, Greenlee was the owner of the Crawfords, and they eventually had to create an entire Midwestern Negro League just to keep Wilkinson signing from signing Page away. But obviously, when Satchel came back from Mexico, nobody wanted him, so Wilkinson was able to sign Satchel and keep him for quite a while. Uh, Satchel spent one season playing ball in the Dominican Republic on a team owned by Rafael Leonidas Trujillo, who was the dictator of the Dominican Republic. <laughs> so Pedro or not Page Page recruited a bunch of Negro League stars, including our boy 
cool Papa Bell and Josh Gibson, and they won the league fairly easily, but were banned again from baseball upon their return to the United States, prompting a a barnstorming trip, which ended in the trade to uh, the Newark Eagles that he skipped out on to go to Mexico. So he was just all over the place, man. And he was just jumping. He was jumping ship on people all the time. This guy is everywhere. Yeah. It's like, hey, you got money? I'm there. I'll be there. (laughs) His his autobiography... well, we'll get. I could imagine that, man. Holy shit! What <laughs> a hell of traveling. He um, he also won a championship and an MVP award in Puerto Rico, compiling a nineteen and three record with a one point nine three ERA. For those of you who aren't super into baseball, an ERA under four is pretty solid. Satchel's throwing to a one point nine three ERA. It was in the Negro League offseason. And it was the year his arm fell apart in Mexico. So it was after that he was getting his arm back ready, and he was pitching. He was pitching to a nineteen and three record with a one point nine three ERA. So that's insane. Dude has game. Holy shit! Dude, this guy is a fucking man. He has Jesus game. Christ. He has game. Dude, what the fuck? Oh my god! So Dude, that's crazy. Yeah, and this is, like, you think, this is a guy who was thrown 103 miles an hour as a kid. Obviously, with a dead arm, he's not doing that, so he's figuring out ways how to get people out otherwise. So, well, now we'll get back to, to the story of Satchel Page a little bit. So, like I said, the upside of Satch not coming to the majors first was he didn't have to deal with certain things like playing in the minors. Yeah. That sort of thing. Jackie Robinson had already proven, like, that, a Negro League player could could hang in the majors, but um, he had to start in the minors. And now that that stigma was out of the way, Satchel was was welcomed in, right, or would be welcomed in. Um, let me see. He didn't want to. So Satchel didn't want to delay any progress by fighting with other Negro League players about who made it first. When he got, or when Jackie Robinson broke the color barrier. He said to the media, Jackie was the greatest colored player he'd ever seen, which obviously he didn't think was true. So on July 7th, 1948, officially, according to records, his 42nd birthday, Satchel Paige signed with the Cleveland Indians of Major League Baseball for $40,000. Hell yeah. He was the the oldest. Talk about a, a... Talk about a what? Talk about a paycheck. Right? Back then? Fuck yeah, dude. I'd take 40K back then for sure. That's definitely not what they're getting paid right now, but... No. <laughs> but I don't think anybody was getting paid the way that they're getting paid now. Nope. So, he was the oldest Major League Baseball rookie in history, as well as the first black pitcher in Major League Baseball. He made his debut for the Indians two days later on July 9th at the age of 42, he came in in the fourth inning against a game or in a game against the St. Louis Browns, who are the future Baltimore Orioles, with the Indians losing four to one. He didn't really know the signs that the catcher was giving him when he first came out, so he kind of he kind of lobbed the first. Kinda it. He kind of lobbed the first pitch in there, hoping to like not get crossed up and kill the catcher, and uh, the guy hit it into center field and moved move some Browns into scoring position. 
And then Satchel basically said, fuck this, man. I'm going ham. And uh, he began to switch arm slots and do all of his crazy stuff that he normally did. Throwing overhand, throwing sidearm, and even mixing in his famous hesitation pitch. Now, the hesitation pitch was one where <laughs> he, would, he would go into his wind-up, like his it's normal so- wind-up. And then he would just stop and hang there for a minute to throw off the top. All right, so the hesitation pitch, obviously illegal in today's baseball game. And Satchel liked to, you know, bend the rules a little bit. He, um, yeah. he uh, obviously had moved away from his fastball that used to be 103 miles an hour, but now at 42, he didn't have that anymore. He said, and I quote, I got bloopers, loopers, and droopers. I got a jump ball, a b-ball, a screwball, a wobbly ball, a whipsy-dipsy-doo, a hurry-up ball, a nothing ball, and a bat dodger. My b-ball is, is a b-ball because it, go, it, it be right where I want it, high and inside. It wiggles like a worm. So basically what I take from this is that Satch, Satch could just do whatever he wanted with a baseball and uh, it get you out. That's a- that's a crazy technique. I wonder. I, there is. We'll see. There, there is a picture. Right down the middle. There's a picture where he's like hanging out with Mickey Mantle, and it's at the All Star game, and he's like holding the, he's holding this baseball, and he's like explaining to him how he throws one of his pitches, and I just want to know which one of those it is, man, because uh, they sound awesome. How, how was he? I want to just hold it like. This is the. Uh, so let's see it's just so crazy like like that that type of arsenal like of course you're gonna strike out he's got a ton of pitches everyone he's got a ton of pitches i don't care about curveballs i don't care about sliders i want to see a guy throw a bat dodger i want to see a guy throw a wobbly ball (laughs) Wiggle like a worm. <laughs> <laughs> so, Holy on shit. July 14th, Satchel took the mound in an exhibition game against the Brooklyn Dodgers. Wasn't anything to speak of except for that the following day in Philadelphia, he earned his first Major League Baseball win. Again, this dude played an exhibition game that didn't matter in Cleveland one night, and the next night suited up and pitched in a game that did matter and got his first Major League Baseball win. Also, he's 42 years old, and there are baseball players now that are 24 and bitching about playing too many games. This dude's 42, and he's like, yeah, dude, give me the fucking ball. I don't care. Let me at him. He's like, I'll go, I'll, he's like, I'll go anywhere. Give me the ball, I'll man. Drive across, I would drive across two states to go play baseball. Give me the ball. I don't care. I don't care. On August 3rd, he started the game in front of a crowd of 70,000-plus against the Washington Senators. It was his first major league start. He was nervous and shaky through the first inning, but settled in and pitched seven innings, giving up two runs and notching his second win in the majors. Two weeks later, he pitched a complete game shutout against the White Sox in front of a group of over 50,000 fans who had paid or rushed to the front gate of the stadium to, to get in at the beginning of the game to see our boy Satch. He was becoming a sensation. He was sweeping the country, Tuan. Sweeping. Sweeping. Just dominating anyone and everyone. 
Satchel was a crucial part of the Indians' 1948 World Series title, having a great rookie campaign going 6-1 with a 2.43 ERA and two shutouts. Although his work in the World Series was limited, he was still a major part of the team's victory. He struggled through the next year, but still pitched to a 3.04 ERA at age 43, and he was released by the team at the end of the season. The owner, Veek, I forget what Veek's first name is, but Veek, he was gone through a messy divorce and sold the team, thus beginning the Indians' run of mediocrity that is still going on today. Today. Upon his release, what do you think Satchel did, Tuan? He went back to barnstorming. You guessed it, man. Played more baseball. He went and exhibited himself and a couple of other guys around the country. He uh, Exhibition games till the dad died. He recognized his abilities and took advantage of them about his as best as anyone has ever done it. There was always somebody willing to sign Satchel because he sold out stadiums like no other, and there were definitely always people willing to watch him. He oh, barn- 100%. Dude, if I, was ba- if I was alive during that time... I'd go see yeah. him. I'd go see him for sure. A hundred percent, man. Why, why, I want to see some whipsy dudes. <laughs> the guy throws his bat dodger. And I want to see some bat dodgers. I want to know some looper droopers. I want to know what the signs were for those. You know what? What was the catcher putting down before he threw him? <laughs> he just, <laughs> He's like doing somersaults. <laughs> 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 just... Hold on, guys. I gotta take my glove off for this one. <laughs> yeah, actually, actually, um, just it's, it's one is uh, you know just regular, you know, regular pitch. <laughs> uh, one plus four. That's whoopsie ditch to do. <laughs> shockers. <laughs> he threw up shockers. <laughs> Shockers were the, uh, you know. That's the, you know, that's the bat dodger. The bat dodger. <laughs> Bam. <laughs> so, Satchel barnstormed around the nation from 1949 to 1951. Then Veek, again, I don't know what Veek's first name is, but he bought the St. Louis Browns, and the first thing he did was sign 45-year-old Satchel Page. 45 years old, and that guy that's just the, uh, wants him, man. Was, was that the guy, the, the Ku Klux Klan guy? No. No. Rogers Hornsby, he uh, he comes later. Oh, okay. <laughs> okay. Um, for those of you who don't know, we had some recording issues, so Tuan's already heard this part. <laughs> uh, let's see. So he struggled in his first season back, pitching to a 4.79 ERA. But he struggled, or he, but he still showed off flashes of his old self. He was kind of he was kind of used as like a spot reliever, only pitching a couple minutes at a or a couple innings at a time. Definitely not getting any more complete games. The next year, Rogers Hornsby took over management of the Browns, and despite his reputation as a horrible racist and former Ku Klux Klan member. He used Satchel very well. He turned Satchel into kind of like an everyday relief pitcher, kind of like what we see like as the guy who comes in in the sixth inning and bridges the gap between the starter and the closer now. Um, he was used at least once every three days, 
but he never got any opportunities to, to complete games anymore. He was really good in 1952, compiling a 12-10 and 10 record and a 3.07 ERA at age 45. He became the first black pitcher elected to the, to the American League All-Star game or to the American League All-Star team. However, he did not get to pitch in the All-Star game because it was cut short by rain. But legendary manager Casey Stengel promised he would select Satch for the All-Star team again the next year, and he did, which I think is really cool. Really cool move by Casey Stengel. And, um, you know, it's nice to see Satch finally get that man some. playing. Exactly right. His 1953 season was not as good, but he did manage a 3.53 ERA at age 46. When Veek once again had to sell the team, Satch was once again out of a job. And uh, it truly is incredible how often teams were bought and sold back then. It's kind of just like, man, you know, I'm getting tired of this. I'm out. It's not like a billion-dollar corporation anymore where it's like you got to go through all the legalities and all that stuff. It's just kind of like, hey, man. I don't want to. It's like, it's like, hey, see ya. See you guys. I'm just gonna sell now. Bye. You're all out of jobs. <laughs> hey guys, sell, thanks. Uh, thanks for your help, Satch. So it was this. It was at this point that things started to get a little bit weird for Satchel. He uh, obviously he went back to bar- barnstorming and played with his little all-star teams and toured the U.S. And there was even, like, a little short stint that he played with the Harlem Globetrotters basketball team. <laughs> which, yeah. which I think is funny every time. Uh, I don't know how much of a basketball player he was, but he was definitely on the um, the clown team for the Globetrotters. After this... Hey, man. Any team to play. Absolutely, man. He's still pitching, even if it's on the basketball court. Still pitching, no matter what. What? Okay. So after this, he decided to settle down and accepted a deal to return to the Kansas City Monarchs. In 1955, he signed a contract to pitch in the Carolina League, but it ended up that he was only allowed to pitch in exhibition games due to racist fucks. By the way, for the for uh, if Tuan, if you're keeping track, he's 49 years old now. Yep. Um. His stint in the Carolinas didn't act, didn't last very long uh, because our buddy Veek, the owner of the Indians and the Browns, takes over the Miami Marlins, a then AAA affiliate of the Philadelphia. I don't know if they were the Phillies or the Athletics, but the first thing he did again was sign Satchel Page to a $15,000 contract. The Marlins manager made it clear that he only wanted to use Satchel in exhibition games, obviously exploit, exploiting him for ticket sales. And Veek set up a legendary bet for this guy. He told the manager to get the best nine hitters from the Marlins that he could and put them in any order he wanted. And he said he would give anybody $10 who could get a hit off a of Satchel Page. And a clean hit, not like a little ground ball that no one could get yeah. to, that sort of thing. No, no little bullshit, little tip. Right. Whipsy dipsy do type <laughs> shit. So, of course. Was, you know. Of course, Satchel just. Burned through them all. Nobody even came close to getting a hit. Yeah. And uh, the manager at that point said, okay, you know what? We're going to put Satchel in for uh, for regular games. He's going to be part of the regular team now. His first, oh, year, yeah. his first year with the Marlins in 1956 at age 50, he went 11-4 with two shutouts, 13 saves, and a 1.86 ERA. <laughs> it's 
absurd, dude. He's 50 years old. It's crazy. He's 50. He's fucking 50. He's got seven kids and he's 50 years old. 50 years old, just out there, just playing ball shredding, with guys. Shredding. Just. So in, ni- in 1957. <laughs> Come get a piece of my whipsy dipsy do, bitch. You get my whipsy dipsy do, motherfucker. <laughs> Dude, oh my god. Like, what pitch was that? It was my. That hooper. was either. That was either hooper. the bat dodger or the b ball. I couldn't tell. <laughs> <laughs> so in 1957, he showed up to spring training talking about snake oil and how that was helping keep him uh, keep him young. It obviously worked because he went ten and eight with a two point two four two ERA at age uh, fifty. Absurd, man. At age fifty one, and in his final year in Miami, at age fifty two, he went ten and ten with a two point nine five ERA. He got one more shot in AAA in nineteen sixty one at age fifty five with the Portland Beavers. He gave up a lot of runs, but he didn't get any decisions. There were no wins, no losses. And at this point, he was finally finished with baseball. He began to write his autobiography, Maybe I'll Pitch Forever, and he's in retirement to hang out with his wife, Lahoma, and their seven children. Seven kids, too. A lot of kids. That's a lot of kids, man. That's a lot of, that's a lot of boning. Our, boys, our boy Satchel didn't, didn't just pitch a lot of hey. baseball games. He also, uh, he also had he... a lot of sex. <laughs> I think, hey, I think when you pitch a lot, I think it's kind of you're obligated to bane a lot. Absolutely, they're one and the same, man. They're one and the same. One and the same. (laughs) Fucking insane, bro. So crazy. So he started to settle down until 1965, when the owner of the Kansas City Athletics signed 59-year-old Satchel Paige to a one-game contract. At the beginning of the game, many Negro League players, including our boy Cool Papa Bell, were honored on the field while Satch sat in the locker room. Cool Papa Bell. Cool Papa Bell, man. They were honored on the field while Satch sat in his rocking chair in the bullpen, which apparently happened a lot. I I read a lot of stories about Satchel, like hanging out on the sideline or in the bullpen just in a rocking chair, which just makes him more awesome. In a rocking chair? Just makes him. Just smoking that Marlboro Red. With a giant, the, with a giant chaw tobacco. Talk. Hey boys, you want to talk to me about baseball in 1923? I'm there. <laughs> so he came on in the first you know inning. That? What what you got, you know Tom? Jody Maggio. <laughs> I, yeah, I pitched against him as a minor guy. leaguer. <laughs> so he started the game. He came on the first inning. He gave up two hits. One to a young Carl Yastrzemski. And then he settled in and set down the next six batters in a row. He pitched three innings, no runs. He came on to the mound in the fourth just so that he could be taken out and uh, walked off the field to a standing ovation. He was finally done in Major League Baseball. He did make one more appearance in the Carolina League, a decent outing that uh, wouldn't be anything to speak of if it weren't his final appearance in any sort of organized baseball. He did continue to barnstorm and play with the Globetrotters baseball team until 1968 at age 62 when he was given the position Just of deputy. Just throwing pitches. Oh, yeah, man. Until he became Just the... pitching forever. He was, 
He was given the position of deputy sheriff in Kansas City, which is totally out of left field and really, really surprising to me. I had did not see that one coming. Deputy, he's deputy sheriff of uh, Kansas City? Deputy sheriff. I'm Sheriff Satchel, man. Sheriff Satchel. <laughs> deputy Sheriff Satchel reporting for duty. I'm going to show you some whipsy dipsy do. <laughs> I got my whipsy dipsy do, man. I got the fastest whipsy dipsy do in the West. <laughs> Let me talk about baseball to you because I know fucking baseball. <laughs> now, my, now, my question is I mean, not to go deep into his personal life, you know, he's pitching at 62, right? Right. Do you think he's still just banging away? <laughs> just, bro, you got to think. Dude, he's pitching at 62, which means he has some fucking stamina. I mean, he... He's probably... He a, what was his wife's name? Lahoma. Lahoma? Lahoma. Oh, she she must have been happy. I'm sure she was, man. I've got at the end. I'm gonna read. He he has a list of rules to keep you young. I'm gonna read them at the end of this. <laughs> <laughs> so, he's the deputy sheriff of Kansas City, but that was mostly a placeholder to get him some political experience so that he could run for office. He ran for Missouri State Assembly, but never really made any effort or gave any speeches or anything. And uh, he was not elected. He lost the election in quote a landslide. He was signed as a pitching coach for the Atlanta Braves in 1969, but again, it was mostly a ceremonial position. One article stated he did most of his coaching from his living room in Kansas City. The conversation about electing Negro League players to the Hall of Fame began in 1966 when Ted Williams, in his induction speech, mentioned the great players in the Negro Leagues and their deservance of recognition. The new commissioner of Major League Baseball, Bowie Kuhn, decided that this was a proper idea. A committee formed on the election of Negro League players decided that Satchel had to be the first black man elected to the Hall. And when he was eligible in 1971, he wasn't eligible until 71 because he pitched until he was uh, a million years old. And uh, you have to be out of baseball for five years before you can, uh, before you can be elected. He was inducted on August 9, 1971. Finally, he was the first black man to be recognized for baseball. There was some controversy regarding the creation of a Negro wing in the Hall of Fame because that was obviously the first decision that Major League Baseball came to was let's create a separate wing for Negro Leagues. Um, Nothing says, like, hey, let's all be together. Like, America can't just take the straight line there, right? Like, they gotta, they gotta stop. They just gotta, they gotta stop. It's, it's, yeah, man, before we get to where, before we get to where we need to be, we need to stop at all these really shitty places first and realize that that's not where we need to be. It's like, it's like, please, guys, we're all assholes. But thankfully... Um, because of the recent civil rights movement, that was shot down, and Satchel Page is recognized in the Hall of Fame with the rest of all Hall of Famers. Satchel held largely ceremonial positions after baseball. He was the president of, this, of a single-A team, and he did work on a movie about he and Lahoma's life together. But his health began to fail him, although he was able to attend a final recognition ceremony for he and Cool Papa Bell. On June 8, 1982, Satchel Page died of a heart attack in his home in Kansas City. 
Satchel has since been honored as the 19th greatest baseball player in history and was a finalist for the All-Century team. He said his biggest baseball regret was that he never got to pitch to Babe Ruth. They were active at the same time, but they just never uh, they never just got never, it set up so that... like never saw each other? I don't think See, Satchel that's... was well-known enough at the time that Babe Ruth was real big. Yeah. So... I can see that. So but still, I mean, the guy was bringing in crowds. Like oh, for sure, everyone wanted to, a lot of people want to see him. Absolutely, he and Babe Ruth would have been like Conor McGregor, Floyd Mayweather, for sure. Oh yeah. <laughs> if if Babe Ruth could see. Yes, of course, because we I all know Babe, Babe Ruth's eyesight was horrible. <laughs> Babe Ruth was struck out for sure. Because probably at that time in his life, he can't see. You know, you know, Babe Ruth's career batting average is like three forty two. <laughs> Dude, if you look up that guy's stats, they are ridiculous. Like he is the most oh, yeah. ridiculous person that's ever played in sports. Oh, it's crazy. So, like, imagine if you created a player, like that's the level that Babe Ruth is on. Like he's on oh, that yeah. level. He's a created player. So. Now uh, I'm gonna list, I'm gonna list, uh, Satchel's pitches and then his rules for staying young, as I found on BaseballFandom.com. So these are all of the uh, the pitch names that I was able to find. All right, we've got the hesitation pitch, we've got the bat dodger, we've got the hurry up ball, the midnight rider, the four day creeper, nothing, the b ball, jump ball, trouble ball. Two hump blooper, long tom, which was his fastball. I know he called his fastball long tom. Then he had the barber and little tom. The barber? <laughs> the barber. I like, dude, I love the four day creeper, what? dude. <laughs> what the hell was the barber? <laughs> I don't know, man. Dude, like, what the hell could I even. Like, dude, I think that, like, was he, like, aiming at their head? Probably, it's something like that. It's like, oh, man. Was it, like, like a big, like, 12-6 fucking curveball that just started, like, at the top of their fucking head and just dropped down? This one's gonna come so close to your head, it'll cut your hair. (laughs) (laughs) I call it the barber. Dude, I love. What was the mid, mid, midnight rider? The midnight rider. God, dude, I don't want to. I don't want to hit against a midnight rider. No, thank you. The four day creeper is my favorite. Dude. The four day creeper. I don't know. I don't know the uh, the double hump one. That's, that's the the two the two hump blooper. The two hump blooper. I like that. The two hump blooper. <laughs> dude, what? Like what's the what's the sign for that? What I'm, the fuck is the dude, sign for the two two blue? I have no idea, this, man. But this list combined with that whole whipsy dipsy do list is amazing. This is amazing so stuff. What a guy, dude! I I I dare you. Please try and uh and work the four day creeper or two hump blooper into something you do at work tomorrow, like. Go out on the golf course and say, all right, guys, I'm going to try and hit the four-day creeper here. <laughs> <laughs> so, to, the four-day creeper, like, what does that even mean? Does that mean, do you, I wonder. I'm just going to hit a little four-day creeper. Four-day creep. Uh, what if the four-day creeper was like a bean ball? Like, <laughs> like, a, like, like, like you hit someone like in the dick. 
and like and like their dick just aches for, for four, four days. days. It just <laughs> just hurts. I'm gonna or throw they, this at the right them, speed like, so that in four days you're or, really gonna you, feel it. <laughs> yeah, or, or he fucking hits him in the head, and it's like, oh, that's gonna be four days you're gonna be feeling. Special <laughs> <laughs> page. So then wow. we've we've got his rules for staying young. They originally appeared in the June 13th, 1953 issue of Collier's Magazine. This version below is taken from his autobiography, Maybe I'll Pitch Forever. Number one, avoid fried meats which angry up the blood. <laughs> Number two, if your stomach disputes you, lie down and pacify it with cool thoughts. <laughs> Number three, Keep the juices flowing by jangling around gently as you move. <laughs> Is he talking about his dick there? Just jangling around, man. That's just, how you... <laughs> just, just jangling around. Hey, man. He has the stamina of a fucking horse. Go, uh, go very light on the vices, such as carrying on in society. <laughs> the social ramble ain't restful. Okay. Uh, number five, avoid running at all times. I like that. <laughs> and number six, don't look back because something might be gaining on you. <laughs> that's, ooh, dude, that's a good one. That is a good one, dude. Dude, that's, dude, that, dude, that's a good one. I have don't to say, I'm, um, I'm pretty good about if my stomach upsets me, lie down and pacifying it with cool thoughts. Um... I don't know what jangling around while you move means, so I'm not sure if I'm good at that one. I'm not very... You, gotta go, you gotta go commando. You gotta <laughs> I think that's what he's talking about, dude. Just free ball it all the time. <laughs> Just free ball it. <laughs> um, I do go pretty light on the vices. I do avoid running a lot, and uh, I don't look back. I'm pretty bad. I eat a lot of fried food, though, so... Me too. But there you go, man. Yeah, hey. That's Satchel Page. Special page. Wow. I gotta say, wow. See, you know, it's crazy. It's crazy that a guy like that, to this day, you don't really hear anything about him. Right? One of the greatest of all time, man. If not the greatest of all time. Dude, if he won 2,000 games, sign me up. He's the greatest greatest ever. He's He's the greatest pitcher in in the history of baseball. Yeah. I mean, dude, he came into a game in the major leagues at 59 years old and pitched three innings without giving up a run. I couldn't pitch. I couldn't. I don't think I could get an out in the major leagues without giving up a run. Uh, yeah. I, I think if I went into a major yeah. league baseball game. Yeah, I, I'm, fairly, I'm fairly sure I would walk, like, the entire lineup. Yeah. Like, like there won't be out. Like, I'll hit probably three guys. And probably throw like twenty balls. Yep, that's exactly <laughs> Maybe right. Maybe two strikes. So there you go, man. Holy, that's Satchel Page. That, and that's Satchel Page. Well, that's the first episode of Incompetent. That is the, the first episode of Incompetent, and we'll be joining uh, again hopefully in the next couple of weeks. Next week, uh, Antonio's my, reading the be, story. Uh, my turn. Yep. To uh, to give my little spiel, and I hope. Uh, no, I hope it comes out good because honestly, I know who I'm doing. You're gonna like them. I like them. 
he, uh, his lifestyle is what I want it, what my client wanted to be, to be honest. All right, man. So, so we'll find, uh, we'll find out. All right. Signing off.